the GM babies were born into women who had trouble conceiving their own children. In order to birth the babies, extra genes from a female donor were inserted into the woman's eggs before they were fertilized. After conception, scientists fingerprinted two of the one-year-old children and confirmed that they inherited DNA from three adults, one man and two women. These genetically modified babies, if allowed to mate with non-GM humans, could potentially alter the very genetic coding of generations to come. Geneticists state that this genetic modification method may one day be used to create babies with extra desired characteristics such as strength or high intelligence. Why are we fooling around with this stuff? You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey everybody, my name is Basil and welcome to Canary Cry Radio once again. Um, If you're tuning in from iTunes or YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, Revelations Radio Network, uh, welcome. And also our new uh, network, Fringe Radio Network. Uh, If you're tuning in from there, thank you very much for checking us out. Uh, My name is Basil once again. And I'm Gons. This is episode 14. We've been kind of on a little hiatus for a couple weeks. We missed a couple opportunities to record uh, a show. And um, Basil, what were you up to for the last couple weeks? Yeah, I was actually out of the country for the first week. I went down to uh, Mexico there for Father's Day with my dad. And we uh, spent a bunch of time on a boat there. It's actually kind of funny. I was telling you earlier, we had night watches on the boat because we were you know, making our way through the ocean at night. And so when it was my turn, I I mean, this, it was kind of a trippy experience because you're out there with just complete darkness. Yeah. Uh, No like lights, like shining out to see where you're going and the waves are crazy and you're up, you know, 25 feet up in the bridge of this boat. And you're just up there in the dark with like radar and all these sort of instruments that I, you know, pretend to know what I'm doing with. (laughs) Um, But it was kind of fun though. I was thinking like, man, if I'm ever going to see a UFO, like this would be the place for me. (laughs) And so I'm just, you know, I tried to, tried to keep an eye on the radar and on all the other instruments to see if I could find any anomalies. I did actually see something a little strange on the radar, but it uh, ended up being a cruise ship. So it was not the mothership. <laughs> it was, it wasn't subtle. It, it yeah, was, exactly. it came by and yeah, it there was. A it was. Big, big flash of light. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, so I'm back, back on dry land, thankfully. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really been on a boat. So, I mean, I've been on a boat, but not at night and certainly not a, on a 25 foot mast thing. Yeah. No, it's pretty crazy. That's nuts. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I was just working like a lot. So just coming off of a 66 hour work week. So it was for, you know kids running around and whatnot. Yeah. I really don't want to talk about it. What was that? <laughs> but we're back in action. We now. are back in action and back. we are going to, well, I guess before we jump in, we do want to say what's up to some people because you guys are, who are listening. Uh, I mean, what can I say? We, we started this thing, uh, not really knowing what's going to happen with it, but, uh, it seems like there's a lot of people listening. You guys are awesome. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to some of the guys that are loyal people who are commenting in our comment section every episode. Uh, Arn, Johnny, Truth is Stranger Than Fiction, all one word. And recently, Jim, Frank, and Hunter, they've kind of joined into the conversation. I encourage you guys to visit canarycryradio.com after every episode. If you found us any other way through YouTube or iTunes or Twitter or whatever, uh, visit the site go on to that comment section. And I mean, we have some pretty good discussions there. We, uh, this is why we did it. You know, we wanted to have interaction with people that are 
like-minded or, you know, have different thoughts and it's an opportunity to have your voice heard there. So yeah. I encourage you guys to do that. And, um, yeah. exactly. And our Facebook friends too. Yeah, Hello, definitely. Facebook friends. Yeah. And, I'm uh, not very strong with Facebook, but I know you're there. <laughs> I know you guys are asking to, you know, befriend us and you guys are posting stuff and, and whatnot. So it's very cool. It's very encouraging. Woo. Yeah. And also, um, before we jump into the topic of today, which is GM babies, I wanted to also, well, there's been some emails this week and I just, you know, I've been kind of lazy, actually not really lazy, more like unable to respond coherently. So, um, <laughs> you, I'm just going to list off, a, you know, some names of people that have been emailing us. And if I, some of you guys I've re- replied to others, I have not. So just know that your emails are reaching us and, um, when we get an opportunity, we will respond and we'll try to do our best to respond to everyone. We are so, on the job. We're on the job. Yeah. So, um, Bill, Simon, Joey, Steph, everything Rift, uh, Pam, Fonz, D. Gray, E.K. Christopher, Sean, and Sean. There's two Seans, John O. And there's a few others. I'm sure I missed somebody. But thank you guys for the emails. Thank you guys for your thoughts. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's really encouraging. A lot of times they're very deep and they're they're big topics, and uh, it it wouldn't be fair to just give you guys like a short couple sentence answer you know so we try to find time to actually give you guys a thoughtful response and yeah uh, and a lot of times it's good ideas for shows too yeah yeah expound a little bit more as well definitely i mean there's so many topics we can talk about that it's 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 uh it's kind of hard to pick and choose but we try to stick to a couple themes which um which we'll get into again with the gm babies and transhumanism and all that stuff um but what do you think, Basil? Do you think we should start reading some of these emails just to give a little, you know, little airtime, I guess, for some of our listeners? Well, I think if nothing else, I mean, some of these people are uh, pretty intelligent folks. And so I think it would be good to open up a little bit of um, discussion with that. And, you know. Yeah. So we might start doing that. You know, I know Future Quake was that was a really cool thing that they did. And um, we're thinking about it. So let us know what you guys think, you know. And we'll uh, we'll abide. Right. But, uh, let's get okay. into the, the well, topic here. Back back to the uh, subject matter at hand, which is genetically modified human babies that yep. exist in the world right now. Some of you might have heard about this. Thirty genetically modified human infants have been born in the United States. Um, it was just declassified or revealed or whatever you want to call it um, that over the past something like three years, 30 babies who have been genetically modified has or have been born. It's, um, it's yeah. out. And so that's something we needed to talk about because that's right down our alley. I think that's just the very definition of trans, you know, the, the baby steps, if you will, towards uh the transhumanism that we're we've been talking about for for many episodes now um so here we go yeah it's kind of uh like you said yeah some baby steps and it was a program at the institute for reproductive medicine and science of uh, saint barnabas in new jersey that was doing this experiment and i guess two of the babies uh have been tested and have been found to contain genes from three parents so Uh, That, I mean, you know, we try to dig into various angles on a lot of these topics, obviously the conspiratorial side, which is kind of the platform we launched from, but also the ethical sides, you know, philosophical, but but very practical as well. Like, how does that look? You know, that child now has genes of three parents. Like, what's that do for... You know, right, and well, and the, the 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 answer is we simply don't know what sort of ramifications that have in the long term because this is just uh, this is just coming out now, and um, I mean, yeah, I can almost guarantee that if the world continues for another ten years, that we will be in a place uh, where you know genetic modifications of of uh, zygotes and and eggs and sperm and things like that will just be a normal part of procreation or you know, the the reproduction of the species um, and and that's the real part i my job pretty much dropped when i was when i started reading this or even when i saw the headline because you know you, th- you we talk about this all the time but to actually see it 
in the headlines, declassified, and talking about how these uh, infants, well, okay, the eggs were genetically modified. Right. And so we're not saying they took actual babies and um, injected you know, them with, with other just, people's DNA. Yeah, stuck them with things. But so, yes, that the um the ingredients for life there had been genetically modified with dna from multiple human beings and so here we are at the very the, the, the very birth of um genetic modifications yeah and if again we always have to say this but it's true that if it's hitting the news then more stuff's going on and more oh, yeah. stuff has gone on. So I, I think it's kind of a cliche thing, but we really, when we start seeing things like this in the news, we really have to reiterate that point because again, we don't know what's really happening in underground labs in in black True. projects. Uh, the military is, I'm, they are trying to create these super soldiers. Well, and they've been doing it for 50 years. Yeah, exactly. So, so. we have no idea. Um, so this is just the, toe in the water for the public yeah uh, just to, to get start little, getting used to this sort of thing right and and obviously the movies and tv shows and stuff that have continued to indoctrinate the masses into accepting this kind of outcome or this kind of i guess procedure if you will true but one of the things that they talk about in this article is this uh the the author here michael hanlon says that Altering the human germline, in effect, tinkering with the very makeup of our species is a technique shunned by a vast majority of world scientists. Geneticists fear that one day this method could be used to create new races of humans with extra desired characteristics such as strength or high intelligence. Right. And now one thing real quick, the, the thing that I find so interesting just simply about the article and how this has come out to the public is... I mean, Gons, you and I talk about this all the time. Right. You know, we we talk about creating new races of humans and, uh, you know, super strength and super intelligence. And that's, a, that's just a huge part of our worldview of, you know, the conspiracies that happen in, in the world that, you know, we've, you know, some people would think we're crazy for. Yeah. But here it is in the very public eye with this groundbreaking world shattering article talking about the upcoming creating new races of humans. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really subtle too, as far right. as this, this isn't getting as much press as it should. I, I don't think, I mean, the people that are talking about it are people in our elk, you know, people that kind of look into this stuff in general. Otherwise right. the mass populace, they they probably see this and oh yeah okay cool you know yeah. science is well, progressing awesome and then move exactly. on to whatever yeah it, it's it's alarming that it's not talked about more in the public so right. hopefully again yeah well I think it's all part of the indoctrination I mean we've been some of the best movies over some of the best sci-fi movies at least over the past uh, you know ten fifteen years have all included genetically modif genetic modification for humans or some sort of transhumanist thing. So, I mean, I feel like the public who are not in the know to ramifications and don't spend the time to really think about this are stoked. I mean, Hollywood's coming true. So Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, going, going along this line of how the geneticists fear that one day this method could create new races of humans... I found a little tidbit that I thought was interesting. Uh, back in April of 1998, um, a couple scientists, Jeremy Rifkin and Stuart Newman, who they're both against genetically modified organisms, they applied for a patent for what they called a human Z, H-U-M-A-N-Z-E-E, -E, which is part human, part chimpanzee. And they did it to draw attention to this topic, to fuel a debate, if you will, f about genetically modified organisms, about th this exact thing that we're reading about today. And uh, the United States Patent and Trading off or Trademark Office denied the patent on the grounds that it violated the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which is, which prohibits slavery. So huh. that's just really interesting that, you know, they're talking about how 
it's possible that it would create these, you know, a slave class basically in that right. you know, we would become the slave class, right? Because these higher intelligent beings right. would be running around. They would have more physical superiority, intellectual superiority, you know, whatever, whatever kind of thing that makes a person quote unquote better, they right. are going to have and almost a it's, it's changing the human being and dividing it into the really the have and have nots in a sense of genetically uh, gifted, yeah. you know, because in the genetic past, genetic wealth, genetic wealth, yeah. Uh, this is eugenics. This is complete eugenics. Same concept that has ran everything from you know the Nazi regime to just the early uh, 1900s. It has not gone away. It's still there, and this is proof right here. We're seeing it. It's again, like you said, the baby steps, but. The other part of it is also we're getting close to the Olympics, and I know everyone's talking about you know the whole terrorist thing with the Olympics, the potential terrorist attack and whatnot, right. or false flag uh, event. But when we look at the athletes of today, and I was an athlete growing up, and and when we look at athletes in general, they are just bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. It's just amazing how. I think technology in general has enhanced the athlete to become more right. Because when you think about, let's say like the hundred yard dash, right? I mean, these are guys, the fastest runners in the world, and you can't really run any faster than some of these guys are running the hundred yard dash or hundred meter dash. But through technology and through genetic tinkering, what's going to happen? Are they going to become superhuman? You know, right. are they going to become, and, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to point out is that for, for many hundreds of years, people didn't have things like uh, protein shakes and creatine and, you know, these different things that supplement uh, your body in recovery and whatnot. And right. obviously there's steroids and, you know, there's that whole ethical side of steroids and, you know, we can get into all that. But more importantly, some of those things affect your genes, you know, if you, if you're doing, if you're getting a lot more protein than you should be, it's changing something in your genes, right? I mean, it's changing or at least manipulating it and you pass those things on and it's, it, so it's already happening at that level, but then to actually have it scientifically, like just going straight to the building blocks and reconstructing right. it. Well, that's well, a whole even other with level. This very, this very, um, I guess would call it elementary version of what we're talking about here. I mean, first of all, I'll just, I'll just start out by saying that the ramifications and the possibilities for negative side effects of these, even these specific genetically modified babies are just endless. And we'll get into a little bit more of those, but staying on, you know, your topic of athletics and Olympics and things like that. Well, if this continues, you know, we have we have things like uh, drug tests and steroid tests for athletes right now. But I mean, if it comes to the point where designer babies are able to be designed to be more athletic, or even with this very elementary style of genetics, where uh, and we'll we'll get into a little bit more, where we're just injecting other people's DNA, and so there's three parents, um, you know, genetically. Are there going to be tests for athletes? I mean, it, it just creates a whole new class of people who are who are fundamentally set apart from other human beings. This isn't, oh, you've been using steroids, so you can't be in the Olympics. Right. This could be, well, you were genetically modified, and we can't let you compete with these people who have less genes than you or, or, you know, whatever you want to call them, natural birth or right. something like that. Well, think about it too. Cause it, it kind of goes into also a potential thing about the mark of the beast, because there are some who are coming out and some researchers are saying the mark of the beast is going to be like a genetic thing. It's going to actually change our genetic makeup. Right. And that's why when we receive the mark, we will not be able to be saved because we will no longer be human basically. Um, right. Well, and, and just going back real quick to the flood, you know, having to do with the genetic corruption yeah. of human beings. Yeah. This is not something new. Uh, it's just kind of hitting the market, if you will, in, in the modern times in a very real way. But 
if you think about the desired physique or desired attribute of an athlete, so let's say, or, or just not necessarily an athlete, but just anything, let's say, okay, let's take a sprinter. Let's take uh, who's that guy who ran super fast at the last Olympics from Jamaica? I don't remember I believe, his name. I believe his name was uh, Usain Bolt. Or Speedy something? Gonzalez. Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> or a super fast guy. Super fast guy. I think his name was Usain Bolt, and I could be wrong. Maybe he wasn't from Jamaica. I don't remember. But the dude was fast. Okay. Let's say that his genes become available, not the genes he wears, the genetic code, if you will, <laughs> that gives him that extra boost of whatever it is that makes him run faster than anybody else on this planet for a hundred meters. Anyway, what if that becomes available to people? Like people are going to be lining up, you know? Well, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like if, if you could bottle Michael Phelps, yeah, you know, and, and for a fee, his DNA could be injected into your egg or your, you know, your zygote or wherever the, uh, the process takes place. And there you, you have it. You paid a million bucks and now your baby has your DNA, your wife's DNA or your husband's DNA and the DNA of Michael Phelps, the, the huge um, gold medalist from the Olympics and just an, an amazing athlete as a human specimen in right. general. And so, I mean, we're just... It, it just opens up way too many doors to even begin to uh, ethically figure out sort of the social constructs for what the world would look like. In right. Yeah. There's definitely that philosophical slash ethical level. And then there's the sociological level, which is the sociological level can only be observed after the fact. You can speculate, right. but exactly. you can't really know because you're looking at things in the past and you're looking at what it, what's going on now on a social <laughs> level on a bigger scale if you will but the ethical conversation should happen prior to any of this stuff going on and the problem is there hasn't been as much discussion about it and they're obviously already co going through with some of this stuff despite people or scientists or geneticists that are against it so this just you know screams agenda you know right there's exactly. an underlying agenda now real going. quick i'd like to take a step back and and let's talk about exactly um how these babies were genetically modified okay i suppose maybe we should have started off with that but Probably. let's just go back yeah. just so everybody has the right context as to uh the experiments and where it came from and why they were done you know what the official story is and get a little bit more into that. So what actually happened here was eggs were taken from women who were, no, 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 no. Eggs were taken and uh, DNA from another female human being was injected into the egg. The, the, the first woman that they took the egg out of was, uh, was incapable of conceiving. Am I correct right. on that? I believe she was that as yes. we both scour through the article to try to find that part. I know, same <laughs> here. But anyways, so that's what happened. They took the DNA from one, one woman and put it into the egg of another woman. And what happened was the DNA of the egg began to take on characteristics of both of the DNA, both sets of DNA. Right. Um, and that's what happens in these, in these very small, very basic reproductive cells. They're very malleable in a bi very biological sense. And so that's what happened. And now they fertilize the egg and now you have two mothers and one father, genetically speaking. Right. Now that egg is put, you know, back into, um, the womb and it is gestated for uh, nine months and comes out and they gen they uh, test the genetic fingerprint and uh, you know what a surprise the the baby did take on three sets of DNA and genetically has three parents um, so that's a little bit of background there for you with with exactly what happened while we continue to talk about this in further detail right it's really interesting to think about if this is even possible in a naturalistic sense and i'm trying to well, think and it's like well yeah maybe but really highly unlikely right i mean i don't think i cannot <laughs> visualize an instance where this would have happened in nature right and i think there may be a very specific reason for that. <laughs> yeah. But 
and, and here's something that concerns me. And this is my biggest concern. And not only for the purposes of conversation, this is not for the purposes of uh, maybe even ethics or anything like that. But think about, we just don't know. We don't know how the body will respond to having an extra set of DNA to deal with, an extra box of Legos to start building with. Right. If if you uh, if you understand my my uh, analogy comparison there. Yeah. Uh, but now think about this. So now that child who is born of three genetic makeups uh, grows up, and you know, given this is a world where they just allow these um, children to you know live normal lives. What if they get married and have a child? So now that child is pulling from, if we're, if we're talking about um, generations here, it's pulling from five sets of generational DNA. Right. But e- even to go further, if two of these genetically modified children got together, now we're talking about six sets of DNA coming from two generations trying to get together and build a human being. And we can talk about the science of this all we want. We can talk about how exactly the DNA splits and finds itself and how, uh, you know, that uh, whole whole process works. But we simply, and we can theorize about, you know, maybe it wouldn't be a big deal. Maybe the DNA would just go ahead and do it and uh, the baby would turn out just normal and but you know just look a little funky or we you just don't know but the fact is that we don't know yeah we don't know what the human body is going to do with two extra sets of dna i mean well that's why we're trying to find out right i mean well exactly (laughs) but now what's happening is these experiments are human beings yeah you know this isn't you know, watching cells reproduce in a Petri dish. Right. Now we are watching cells reproduce and these cells have brains. They have minds there. They have spirits. They are human beings who are living lives who are now subjugated to a lifetime of experimentation, a lifetime of being tagged as the first genetically modified baby. Um, So it is a very big deal, a a lifetime of um, being watched, almost like the Truman show. And, but, and even think about this, I'm kind of going on a tangent about the, the uh, psyche of these, of these children as they grow up. But this, these first genetically modified children, think about this, are going to grow up probably to become an age where they will be seeing regular genetic modifications to infants. So they will be sort of a prototype to, and I mean, you can sort of think of all sorts of feelings that might come up of being, uh, you know, old technology or something like that. Yeah. Well, they can be used as, like you said, a prototype, but I mean, almost like an advertisement for, this type of procedure uh, is, you know, look, this guy came out fine. You know, right. he's intelligent. He's a young, you know, healthy male or whatever, you know, there's no harm. You know, we haven't shown harm in this experiment. Therefore we can probably continue to do so. And, uh, any kind of problems that may arise, we'll deal with it then, uh, which is kind of the mentality. But if you kind of dig into the spiritual side of this, you have to wonder at what point, is the human being not necessarily no longer human? Cause this is all human genes. That's that we're working with right now. But at what point is it such an abomination to the way things are supposed to be from a godly perspective that they are simply living human? Well, in shape anyway, but lacking perhaps a soul, you know, it's kind of a, we don't know. Like you said, we have no idea, but, this whole thing in general, if you think about the Old Testament, okay, if you, if you look at a lot of the, uh, just the bloodline in, in the Old Testament to the Messiah, a lot of times they picked women that couldn't conceive. Uh, 
over and over and over again, the women were barren. And then God miraculously gave him a child when they're much, much older, normally when they were past the age of reproducing. And when you look at this example that we see in this article here, uh, you know, this woman was having trouble conceiving. And so we, you know, took care of it ourselves. We used medical uh, scientific measures to make it happen. And now we have this kind of weird three parent thing going on. Right. And if I could just interject for one second, I want to make a uh, point out that this technology comes about in a context, which is helping an infertile woman right. bear a child. Right. Now, and, and we, we talk about this a lot, about things coming up in the world and how they're sort of framed as this... Uh, Positive How thing. Positive. They're benefits for yeah, beneficial for humanity. to humanity. Yeah, and and you know we're really good at trying to help each other out and sometimes causing more damage than we mean to. But so don't get us wrong here. I feel for the the barren woman. I mean this that is a very biblical of concept. That, yeah. And so and so it's not that we don't want infertile women to have children. But we're just talking about now just uh, some some very serious uh, um, who know I don't know what I'm trying to say price uh, there may be a very serious price to pay. Yeah, just to kind of keep the conversation moving here, I wrote a little short article type thing. Just it's actually not even an article; it's a blog post. <laughs> there is a difference, um, and I titled it "Is the Antichrist Pro-Life, Pro-Choice, or Both?" And it came up from a poll that just recently came out that said that 51% of Americans consider themselves pro-life. And I was listening to a lot of these conservative kind of Christian outlets talking about it and how they were all kind of saying, oh, you know, it's so wonderful that the the American culture is shifting and all the, uh, not the protests necessarily, but just the, the conversation and the, the energy and time spent into advocating pro-life is, is not gone to waste. It's actually changing the, the underlying cultural mindset of people or what, you know, just in general. Right. And, and I thought, okay, that's, that's great. You know, that, I think that's a really good thing because obviously I would tend to align more with a pro-life perspective. You know, I don't think we should be doing the other possible thing there. Yeah. But, killing babies isn't, isn't my idea of a good idea. Right. Right. Well, I mean, the, the issue is that the pro-choice, you know, mindset is that they're not killing babies, you know, Correct. but anyway, we can get into all that and that'll go into a whole nother trail. But Essentially, my kind of thought was, well, okay, I just asked this question to myself. Well, if the Antichrist is going to show up, and it kind of plays on everything we talk about here, how it's always difficult to have these conversations because it seems like it's a good thing, but we know that the good thing is not always going to be the good thing because it's going to make everyone kind of feel like they're together in this one big happy family, and that's when things are going to go bad. So the question was, is the Antichrist going to be pro-life or pro-choice? And as I was kind of brainstorming through this question, it actually reminded me of this article, this uh, GM Babies article that, that came out about a week ago. And I thought, okay, this is really interesting because perhaps, just perhaps, this type of procedure of helping out the woman that can't conceive is that kind of antichrist spirit in that it's going to not necessarily solve, but it's going to provide different options. The pro-life idea is predicated on the opposition of killing unborn babies. And so with this new procedure, let's say somebody gets pregnant and they don't want the child. They're obviously going to be more on the pro-choice side of things. They want, they want to have a choice. But here's the thing it's going to actually make the pro-lifers feel good because now the the choices of the pro-choice side is going to have more options. They can either become, for example, and this is the example I use uh, in the blog post, is that maybe they can become a surrogate mother where a couple that can't conceive can provide their genetic information to this woman who's already kind of pregnant, right? And um, give 
the fetus or zygote or whatever stage it's at, the genetic information that changes, you know, their makeup. And there you go. Now you have a surrogate mother. Now she's getting paid. Now the pro-lifers are stoked because the children aren't killed. And right. the pro-choicers are happy because now they have these options and they're not, they don't have to necessarily raise a child, but they're able to help others and, and right. everybody wins. Right. right. So, yeah. And I mean, that could even take, be taken one step further, you know, depending on the technology that exists, which is just taking the zygote or the embryo out of the unwanting mother. Right. And giving it to genetic, someone. Yeah. Inserting the genetics of the um, wanting mother and being able to have that very young human ent- uh, entity be successfully transplanted into a different mother. Right, like an embryo transplant. That would be, yeah, that would be bizarre, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just to me, this whole thing, it just opens up this whole nother world of unknowns. And I just think it's important to be thinking about it because our children may be living in a very, very strange world in a decade or two. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and it's very, it's, it's almost unreal to me um, that this article has come out. I'm still sort of just, uh, just getting to the point where I can accept that I now live in a world where (laughs) genetically modified human beings are um, walking well, not walking, crawling around, I guess at this stage. Well, at the end of the article here, uh, they, they talk to this uh, guy named Jack Cohen. And let me just read a little part of it here. Um, he developed a technique which allows infertile men to have their own children by inspect, uh, injecting sperm DNA straight into the egg in a lab. Prior to this, only infertile women were able to conceive using IVF. Last year, Professor Cohen said that his expertise would allow him to clone children a prospect treated with horror by the mainstream scientific community. Uh, And he says, quote here, it would be an afternoon's work for one of my students, he said, adding that he had been approached by at least three individuals wishing to create a clone child, but had turned down their requests. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's heavy. That's, that's heavy. The guy is now I don't want to, be presumptuous about this guy. So if <laughs> Mr. Cohen, if you are uh, listening, please forgive me if I overstep my analysis of what you're saying there, but it just seems so almost arrogant in a way. Yeah. A little boastful, right? You like, know, yeah, it's, it'll be a piece of I can create my... human life. By the way, I can create a baby for you. Yeah. I can, cl- I can clone it. Not only can I clone a child, but one of my students can just do it while I'm off playing golf in an afternoon, just, just with, with the technology that I have created. You know what I mean? So even that attitude alone, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to judge the guy, but from what I gather from the article, that attitude alone is almost reminiscent of an antichrist attitude. Yeah, totally. Um, Or at least one that is um, less than uh, righteous. Yeah, and I find it interesting that people have come up to him saying that they want to clone a child. And I think as a parent, there's a certain level of like, and obviously I would never do this, but I can understand a parent who says, okay, I'm going to put aside some genetic information of my child in case something happens to that child. And there's a doctor, Dr. Uh, Professor Cohen over there. He can, he can give me back my child. And, uh, boy, that is, that is some freaky stuff. (laughs) Right. And then, and then we start getting into, you know, the spirit of a cloned child. Yeah. Now I'm not going to go so far as to say that a cloned child will not have a spirit. Personally, I believe if it's a human being, they're going to be given a spirit, but say you take the DNA from, uh, an old dying oligarch who says when he dies, he wants his DNA to be cloned. Now, I don't claim to know how, how the whole giving of spirits work or, you know, inception of spirits or however that works. Right. But just pretend for a moment that it has something to do with the DNA. 
which it very possibly could. Well, I think just to interject, I think the DNA sure. acts as a physical host or physical medium that contains the, or holds the information. I think we talked about this with Doug Hamp a little bit about right. uh, the arrangement of certain physical uh, attributes that provide the non-physical to manifest. So anyway, exactly, go on. precisely. And, and now, so if you are cloning a human being who has already existed, I mean, does the same spirit reside within that human being? And I mean, obviously science will say no because science, I take that back. Popular non-Christian science will say that no, that won't happen because, you know, a spirit is not going to be a physical thing. A spirit doesn't exist. We can't test a spirit. Right. Spirits don't exist. But the fact is that we just don't know. Right. And I find it intriguing. And I, I believe I've brought this up before. Maybe I haven't. I don't know. But there is a way you can read into scripture in Revelation, I believe, that talks about those whose names were not written in the book of life. And I think a lot of people say, oh, those are the people that rejected, you know, rejected God, rejected Jesus. But there is a, a potential, and I'm not saying I know this for a fact, but just a potential that, that those whose names were not written in the book of life are people walking around that never were supposed to exist. You know, yeah. I, I'm, this it is does, just pure speculation. It, it does but, liter literarily make sense yeah, yeah. Um, to, to read into that that in that manner. Yeah, and, and so if we look at what's going on with this stuff, it, it's very possible. We just don't know that, that that's... At the same time, you could also um, look at it now if that oligarch had himself cloned, and so now the spirit that was once in the old man is now resides in the child. Right. Um, I mean, just playing with the imagination and some sort of imaginary logic here. Uh, <laughs> imaginary logic. <laughs> I'm just pl I'm just playing in a world here, right? No, yeah, Go that for it. Uh, that we <laughs> we're, we're free. We're making free, up my own laws right now. But free if that were yeah. the case, then I mean, uh, would all the belongings be transferred? You know, would all the wealth be transferred over right. to that child? And when he's 18, he gets to do what he wants with it. Would he be aware of um, his situation and? and the situation of his former body. I mean, and the very want and the very desire to sort of reach, let's call it an sort of immortality um, with the, you know, the, the repetition of, of cloning one after the other. I mean, it fits in with the conspiratorial search for everlasting life, for invincibility, for, for the whole transhumanism um, desire to uh, to live forever, yeah. And those in the uh, you know Illuminati and the the shadow government and the real rulers of the world, if they are able to live forever, or I guess in this case would technically be living multiple lifetimes. I mean, if anybody's going to be funding that, uh, I imagine that would be them. Yeah, and uh, this plays right into a Manly P. Hall quote that I used in the film Age of Deceit. Um, it jumped out at me. Uh, it's, the supreme human purpose is the perfection of man. This must come first, and when this end has been achieved, all good things will inevitably follow. Only enlightened men can sustain enlightened leadership. Only the wise can recognize and reward wisdom. And uh, it feels like the scientists that are doing it are kind of using that as kind of a, a war cry or a mantra type thing to right. pursue what they're pursuing. And uh, we should figure out a way to have a conversation with some of these guys that are pro like genetic modification. I, I just okay. wanted to speak because I think we don't have necessarily Basil. We, we don't necessarily have like a clear 
understanding of how they think. I mean, we, we can speculate and we do speculate on the show, but not sure if anybody does really. That's true. But I mean, I would just like to have a conversation and pick their brain a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it, it just, it's, it boggles my mind. Like what, and not in a sense to be condescending or like judgmental towards the person. I just want to know what drives yeah. them. I'm almost unable to put myself into a position to, uh, to sort of have empathy with that worldview. Right. And I consider myself to be pretty good at that. And um, so, I mean, I can logically understand their reasoning, but as we all know, there's a lot more to that when it comes to uh, people and their beliefs. Yeah. It just seems like the whole realm of scientism, not science necessarily, again, scientism, which kind of ties into materialism, Right. is very much predicated on what's right in front of them. And for a lot of these guys, it's in, you know, it's in their laboratory under the microscope and doing their thing right in front of them. And uh, I, I don't necessarily think they think through the larger implications. You know, I think they just think it's cool. They think, you know, we, we just need to continue to push, push, push the line, the boundaries uh, of what we can do. Right. And, well, and... And I mean, scientists have been doing it for centuries where they will be doing something that they sort of know that they shouldn't be doing. Right. But, you know, these sort of men and with their intelligence, which I very greatly admire, um, that's sort of what they live for. They live to do the impossible. Yeah. Um, Einstein always regretted making the atomic bomb, but even when he was doing it, and same with Feynman. Feynman talked about the same thing which was, you know, the whole time when they were making the atomic bomb, they realized what it was going to do. And they had to put it out of their mind. Right. And so, so you know, they, they knew that it was, it was against humanity what they were doing. And I'm not afraid to say that Feynman and Einstein did something that was, I can consider a crime against humanity. But I understand their mindset because they are intelligent human beings who want to know more about the universe and sort of want to control it and things like that. And it comes down to control. And it reminds me of a, uh, a really great quote by uh, Kurt Vonnegut Jr. And that quote is, just because some of us can read and write and do a little math that doesn't mean we deserve to conquer the universe. Mm. And I think that that's it's one of my favorite quotes because, you know, I'm aware that, I mean, human beings can do some pretty amazing things. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we should. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. While you were talking, it reminded me of First Timothy 4.1 and 4.2. For, uh, First Timothy 4.1 says, and this is the, through the NLT version, it says, uh, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. Uh, they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. And a lot of this has been used as saying, you know, look at the new age movement, look at all that. Uh, right. But then right after that, and I, which I believe is true, um, but then First Timothy 4, 2, it says these people are hypocrites and liars and their consciousness or consciences are dead. Uh, NIV says uh, consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Um, yes. And that's what the King James has too. But that's exactly what you were describing there with, with Einstein and Feynman when they were doing it. They had to actually suppress their conscience. Right. You know, they had to actually do it purposefully. It's definitely a human issue that lies in everybody where, uh, I mean, the, the draw toward that sort of thing, it's almost as if we almost feel as if that progress must be done, even though we know that it's wrong. I mean, or at least have a funny feeling about it. I mean, we can, we can take this all the way up to genetically modifying children or making the atomic bomb, or we can even, you know, bring it all the way down to just simple things where, you know, maybe a cop needs to kick a, you know, homeless man out of his alley or something, you know, I don't know, something. We do things that are fundamentally against 
our, you know, more caring human side when we feel that there's a duty for some sort of progress. Right. And that duty, um, I feel is, you know, could definitely be a, uh, a spirit, a spirit of, you know, duty. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's also important to point out where we place that intention or that duty is also very important. And what, what's the difference between, let's say, you know, a cop that's protecting someone and they're holding the trigger and they have a decision to make. This guy is attacking them. He can pull the trigger and shoot this man to stop a potential, you know, more harm. Right. That decision is also difficult, right? But you have to kind of, again, look at the situation and the potential outcomes and you have to kind of weigh it. Cause I think if you're, if you're like a cop and you, and you're in that situation and I've never been in that situation, so I can't really say so myself, but hearing people that have been in that situation, there's something that makes that act a heroic act. Right. And, but the intention was to protect the intention was to prevent more harm. Right. But to get there, you had to do something that you didn't want to do. It was against your nature to do. I mean, I, I don't think anybody, well, maybe some, actually, I don't know. Some people probably do get a huge thrill out of just, you know, <laughs> shooting criminals or whatever. But I, I think instinctually in the human being, we're not like totally meant to feel or have it have to make the decision to take another person's life. I think when, when, people that are into that have some different issues going on, but (laughs) but do you kind of get what I'm saying? It's like there there's the, the intention of what's going on determines the act. It just comes down to, you know, people do what they think is right in the long run. You know, people will, even when it comes down to a hard decision, people do what, what, you know, what they desire in their heart. And, and like I said, and your actions build habits and your habits become your character so if you make uh if you're you know a scientist and you're making choices and you're making choices that may be a little bit unethical a little bit unorthodox but they're you know they're small scale so you you go ahead you do it and and you know maybe in, in this line of work you might lose a fetus or a zygote or you know, a couple of those things and, you know, you're able to just look at those as not quite human yet and you start making those decisions. But then you start getting to some more advanced sort of thing and, you know, your habits have now become your character and and your worldview has been finely tuned to um, facilitate making those decisions. And then, you know, those decisions with those uh, zygotes turn in or embryos or whatnot turn into decisions with infants and then from there you're you continue your study for the rest of your life truly this is a it's sort of funny it's like um you know having a child is a lifelong decision well i think for these scientists um starting this experiment uh was a lifelong decision with them and i'm sure they'll yeah, they, they will be definitely... uh, doing you know following those children till the very end but my point is that I really do feel that these scientists think that they're making the right decision. I don't think that they are dumb. I think they do know what they are dealing with. And I'm sure they lie awake at night thinking about the the possible ramifications for the the entire human race. I mean, that's that's what these guys do. They're paid to think about things. And, and, and yet still they, they make this choice to, to do th- these things like this. And seemingly in secret it seems like something like this should have, you know, had some controversy attached to it before the babies were born. Yeah. Uh, if you, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a little bit late to be having the discussion about these children. Right. Cause they already exist. They're already born. It is official that there are human beings on earth now that have been intentionally genetically modified in uh, a laboratory and then born. And so that's the world we live in now. And that's, that's, this is where we as believers and as non-believers, I know we have a couple non-believers who listen to the show and, and it's really something we need to think about and the impact that this has on the 
metaphysical aspects of being a human being. And as believers, how are we going to respond to this? And and please, can we figure out a way to respond to this that we can we can think through and make sure we're we're all on the same page biblically um, instead of uh, doing silly things like uh, you know Westboro Baptist Church does and things like that. Um, oh shoot! So I should put away my. Uh... Don't even go there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, So, yeah. So, um, yeah, there we go. What do you say, Gons? Well, I mean, I think this thing is uh, a game changer. I think it's going to... I I wish there was a way to keep track a little bit better of some of these things because this is a simple article on the Daily Mail for the UK, and we may not hear from about this topic or about this child uh, for some time. We, we may not hear from them for, you know, again, for a while. So, and one, one more thing before we, before we wrap this up, I believe that even as these children are being born, that more experiments are being done and we're doing these. I mean, I may or may not be correct, but if, you know, if my hunch about, uh, the excitement about these experiments um, is correct. I believe that they are getting ready to or have already um, commenced more experiments, pushing the envelope even more now that these children have successfully gestated with, with three sets of DNA. And, you know, I really wish that they would wait a little bit and <laughs> really figure out how the, the, uh, well, How if, is it going to work out? Well, if we uh, go by the suggestion of the guy from the article we read a couple episodes ago, uh, just keep going and hope for the best. So oh, that's yeah. what, oh, <laughs> This is exactly yeah, that being exactly, played this out. This is exactly <laughs> what we were talking about in that episode. Yeah. And that's and that's exactly I'm I'm you know I'm very glad that you brought that up because <laughs> it's true. That it's is definitely an true. awesome connection between those two episodes. <laughs> this is exactly what that was, and and I hope you guys uh, listen to that, or else you're just very confused right now. But I, <laughs> well, I, I think uh, another point that I just thought of, um, as I have bursts of moments of clarity and other bursts of moments of uh, beginning to fall asleep, right. um, part of the reason why such research and experiments have progressed we have to trace the money and we have to trace the financial backing of this and we we have not done that but i am more likely willing to bet that if if we are capable to trace it back it goes back to the same folks that we always talk about the illuminati the the elite they're the ones and and you know most scientific research is government funded you have to get grants to do your research and if the research isn't approved, then you don't get money to do it. So it's yeah. obviously going to be tailored to a specific uh, direction, a specific kind of um, some decision making entities. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's the same thing as you know. I went to public school, and um, you know, I think back to like history lessons, and and all we learned was like Egypt. And, you know, the Greek gods. And I mean, <laughs> there's there's a certain set of educational indoctrination, really, right. uh, that well, started I mean, way back. It, the, the Masons and well, especially the Illuminati, they work in an esoteric uh, spiritual framework that includes all the, you know, the Greek gods, the, the Roman gods. And they, they take very strong belief and they take very strong actions in the world. Um, uh, based on those beliefs, on those those old ancient gods, and wh- what's happening in our schools? In public school, we learn all about the Greek gods. We learn all about the Roman gods. We read the stories and we we, we take tests on them. But yeah. yet, we're not allowed to talk about Yahweh. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk. About, you know what I mean? They're they're. They don't want creation to be in school or anything. You know, and I, I and I get it. They. They talk about uh, the Greek gods in in, in literary uh, yeah, like a mythological sense and things like that. Right, but still, I mean, there's some there's some books about Jesus that are you know could probably be read in in elementary not elementary school uh, public school public I school mean, system yeah you know that are along the same lines and and so when it's only when you step back and take a you know good peek at the picture like that that you realize that and I know. 
you guys may already be on the same page, but there are some very shadowy hands at work in every aspect of uh, our world today. Yeah, and it's going to continue to rage, and I think as we kind of uh, get halfway through the year, as we finish up uh, June, and you know, 2012 has been such a huge year that's been talked about for so long right uh, and, and who knows if anything's going to happen or not i happen to think you know nothing too substantial will happen if it does it'll be some kind of at least at least in the physical yeah realm. yeah yeah so and but i think what we see with such ar- the articles that like we the one we talked about today is that there is definitely most definitely a shift uh some kind of psychological paradigm shift happening in the view of how of how we experience and how we view the world and right. and um obviously today our the way we look at the world is completely different from people that looked at the world 20 30 40 years ago right and uh whether that's good or bad i i don't know i mean i think i haven't been around long enough to really make a a, a, a good you know, solid analysis of, of it. But I, I know that if, if, you know, 20 years from now, uh, my children are living in a world where people around them are genetically modified. It's going to be very, very scary and different. And, um, right. And I mean, I, and again, I don't want to start a whole new subject, but, um, with what we know about the genetic modifications in our food, I mean, everybody might be genetically modified by that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, true. things may be happening to our bodies now where even our children uh, well, unwillingly will be genetically well, modified. I actually, I actually thought about that today. Um, as I was, uh, we were given these cupcakes from this place called like sprinkles or something. I don't know. It was supposed to be some delicious, really great, uh, cupcakes and, whatnot it was all right i don't know a lot of people around were like oh my gosh you had the sprinkles cupcake what flavor did you have and i was i don't know chocolate those things are like eight bucks i know i know (laughs) but as i was eating that it was funny because i was i was thinking about this article which i you know i tend to do some uh thinking when i'm at work and i'm doing random things like eating cupcakes but in any (laughs) case um you know i thought about boy you know what would what would I look like? What would my, my mind, my body, what would it, and, and just the trajectory of my life, how would it be different if I wasn't vaccinated? If I, because I know that most kids or most people uh, that were born in our era, they were, right. you know, they, we were just vac- vaccinated. It's just, you know, we're it was just, just filled with all thing. sorts of terrible you know, stuff. Right. So, you know, it, it, it just made me think like, wow, you know, what, what if you know like i wonder how different i'd be if i'm taller if i'm you know whatever i don't know but what's cool is that it made me think of just how i guess supernatural but just how amazing and awesome the actual promises given to us scripturally is with our new bodies and these immortal bodies you know the the mortal putting on the immortal and, and all that stuff it's like man we're we're going to be restored to probably what we were supposed to look like Right. You know, and that's kind of exciting. That's kind of, it's almost surreal, you know, and it makes all this genetically modifying stuff just seem like, dude, God's got this. We don't need to try to do this, you know? Right. Um, I don't know. It just made me feel like, boy, you know, if more folks just considered all these things, uh, I think they would, they would come to the same realization, but you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're the crazy ones. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, that that reminds me of something I wanted to 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 mention was just to our listeners here. I was like, you know, we talk about a lot of things that are going wrong in the world, and there's <laughs> there's definitely no doubt that uh, that the world is a pretty scary, chaotic place. Um, but you know, we very much want to uh, get the message across that I mean that. God's got everything um, under control. I mean, he is the victor and we are victors in him. And and we really aren't um, (laughs) trying to be fear mongers or anything about this sort of thing. Um, But it is. uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's a hard, it's a hard line to walk. It's, it's one of those things. I mean, I'm, I'm realizing more and more as we do this and just look into all these topics, there's a level of like, 
man, <laughs> stuff is messed up right now. Yeah. Like, like yeah. this is some serious, serious, uh, crazy stuff. I mean, just talking to uh, people from a different generation, when you, when, when you bring up these topics, they're kind of like, they don't even know how to handle it. Right. You know, I, I've brought up this, uh, I brought up this genetically modified thing with someone that was a little bit older and they didn't know how to respond. It was like, wow, they can do that. You know, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That, that was all they can say. You know, it's like, they don't, yeah. they amazing don't. Amazing is one word for it. Right. Uh, but it, you know, they were just in awe. They they couldn't really process the implications or the meaning behind it all. And, right. and I guess that's part of, um, I guess our jobs is to try to stay informed and try to break it down a little bit, try to come up with some key points that can maybe help other folks see some of the things we see and they don't have to agree with it. That's kind of the the beauty of it is you don't have to agree with anything we say, you know, in fact, you know, it's probably healthier that you don't. And, uh, <laughs> and you go find out for yourself. That's really what's most important. Right. Um, and uh, boy, I, I just think that it's, it's vital that we, we've each been given this opportunity to, to be on the planet at this time when all this craziness is happening. And cause I mean, if you think about history, most of it's farmers, farmers, you know, doing all this stuff and then boom, technology explodes. And now look at us, we're genetically modifying children. So right, we live in some right. pretty amazing times. And so we can't forget that, that there might be a purpose behind why we're here. So. Yeah, this is a very exciting time. And I know a lot of uh, other generations have said that. And uh, I will just say it again. These, <laughs> these times that we live in now are just uh, very strange, I would say. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think we've, uh, we've gone pretty far down the rabbit hole here today. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We really appreciate it. Make sure to uh, check out the comments section get engaged in the conversation, give us an email. We love to hear your emails. We, we try our very best to get back to you, uh, in a very timely manner. Um, and also the newsletter, uh, is still there. Uh, we are still working on the content for that, but if you are interested, you can go to the chirp tab on the website there and sign up for that. Oh, and I, I totally forgot to mention this. And this is something that I probably should have mentioned at the top of the, the show, uh, but I'm going to be in Branson, I guess, a couple weeks from now, which uh, anyone listening to this later, this doesn't really apply, but I'm going to be at the Prophecy Summit in Branson. We'll be hanging out there. I know there's some speakers there. The Prophecy in the News are the ones that are putting this whole event on. Right. And uh, with the stroke... Your buddy, uh, our, our, our buddy, Doug Hamp's going to be there. Yeah, Doug's speaking. Um, L.A. Marzulli will be there. L.A. Marzulli's going to be speaking. Uh, Rob Skiba, uh, Gary Stearman. Um, there's several several others that will be speaking. And, and uh, I'll be... I guess I'm going to be working at a table most of the time. <laughs> I... I, I think i'm going to be able to see some of the speakers that i want to see but um well there we go anything else guys uh uh, i need to go to bed (laughs) all right guys well thanks a lot and we'll talk to you into your ear next time (laughs) (laughs) awesome later